Yeah, I just died now. Um, well, I get, we've only got a short amount of time, so we're, me and Josh are going to do some sync laps um, to sync the video with the audio, but you're using your iPhone audio, aren't you? So um, you don't have to do sync laps, I don't think. Yeah, uh, whatever you guys want to do. Uh, I um, have, I'm recording it yeah. on my iPhone, which has audio and video, obviously, and uh, you have it here if you guys are recording uh the zoom meeting somehow i don't know how that's done but i'm sure it can be done i've seen it done i've been involved in it before yeah. so i just never tried to do it myself yeah no we're gonna um just do some sync claps and we'll use your iphone video and audio then uh so i'll just i'll go ahead then josh what are you doing next there we go hello um Welcome back to the Optimized Podcast. Uh, we're optimizing for all the current music affairs and sharing it with you. Today we're with Josh, um, obviously. Uh, how are you doing, Josh? I'm doing how's, good. How are you? How's your, day, how's your day been? I'm good, yeah. My day has been good. Brilliant. Very and good. a very special guest, uh, probably the biggest one yet, Sean Ashby. <laughs> um, so do you want to explain who you are and what, like, what you've done, what your experience is and stuff as a guitar player, obviously? Sure. So. Um, in recent years, I've been just touring uh, Canada and the U.S. solo mostly. I did uh, some uh, session work and some sideman work. I did a, a show with a band called uh, Conjure One, which is an offshoot of a band called Delirium, which is also part of Frontline Assembly, which is sort of this uh, industrial music that comes uh, is popular in Europe anyway. Um, and also, I played guitar for Sarah McLaughlin for 12 years, and uh, I played on the records and did the touring, and I'm in those movies. I also write songs and uh, sing, and I'm in a, I have one of my songs in a movie and a bunch of TV shows, and I'm, all, I'm a producer as well. I haven't been doing that recently. I've been too busy with the solo thing, but I've sort of done a little bit of everything and played on a lot of records, and uh, I used to live in a city called Vancouver, so there was a record company there called Network Records, and um, I ended up sort of playing on a lot of the records that came off of that, or were associated with that record company, and doing tours with bands, and uh, yeah, so I did a lot of that, a lot of recording and touring, and uh, it was a very lucky enough to play on albums that sold millions and millions of records when people used to buy CDs back in the day. Yeah. Two, four, day, yeah. two quadruple platinum U.S. records with Sarah. That's four times platinum in the U.S. And wow, wow. And a diamond record in Canada, which is ten times platinum in Canada, which is pretty rare, uh, all working with Sarah and uh, McLaughlin. And, uh, and during that period, I played on uh, the Grammys twice, uh, once with, you know, people like Snoop were there, Snoop Dogg and all the Black Eyed Peas <laughs> were on when we were on, and... Uh, Christina Aguilera and Prince and Beyonce. It was really a star-studded event. Wow. So, yeah, there I was. Uh, a funny story about that was that um, Prince had in his rider that the very top tier of the stage, there was three levels of stage at the Grammys and the Staples Center, but only like, he was mm. allowed to be on it. <laughs> There's some <laughs> rock star stuff for you, right? So he would start, yeah. he started his song up there and came down these steps, and that was that was. His, Prince's stage. Wow. Well, there's a lot of experience then. Yeah. <laughs> In especially venues you've played. Um, 
Wow. So you've played at the Grammys before. Um, that's mind blowing. <laughs> the fact that you're on our podcast and oh, really? Well, yeah, I'm very grateful for you coming on because yeah. um, at the end of the day, we are a pretty small podcast at the moment. So much appreciated. But we have, I think, about five questions for you. Normally, it would be about. 10-ish, but um, we have limited time because of Zoom. So, Josh, if you'd like to ask the first one. Okay, so do you have a different mental approach when playing a very large venue or to a smaller gig? Yes, definitely. They're, they're very different things. Uh, and also um, backing somebody up or playing my own show, you know, because I'm... Uh, mm. So I... For about the last 10 years, I've been touring, uh, just doing a one-man show. I have like eight guitars around me, some that are slide guitars that you sit down to play, that play uh, play like this, you know, like on a... <laughs> yeah, lap lap guitars, guitars, yeah. Yeah. Old kind of guitar, it's called a Wise yeah. Horn. And uh, so, and I have drums, live recorded drums, and I play bass on a pre-recorded track, so I have to play to that. So if you ever get out of sync with the... The, the backing track it's not like looping where you can do something to change it it's like it's uh basically it's like a recording of a song with no singing or drums or sorry no singing or guitar on it it's just bass yeah. and drums so you have to always know where you are in the song uh I'm, I'm taking the long route to answering your question sorry but that's sort of what i've been doing lately uh so that's just me yeah yeah and that's in smaller venues mostly although i did play a big festival here in canada and uh last summer and there was about six thousand people, that, and uh, wow. but it was, wow. sort of, it, was you know, it was like it was like a four-day festival where they you do your own set on certain stages, and those stages were more like eight hundred and smaller. And then uh, they had this big jam set where I played with other musicians, and uh, that was the one where I was playing to so many people. So I was playing with a live band, and there was a drummer and a bass player and all sorts of people. So. That was a different thing, and I, I think your question was, is there a different mindset? So, like, if I'm playing with, uh, for example, like on the Grammys, uh, which I did a couple times, uh, you have in-ear monitors, and that I did in those situations, um, so that changes things, and you, you put in your in-ear monitors uh, what you need for cues, mostly. So it's, it's, it's a little less organic than jamming with your friends, because you're on, like, this huge stage you want to ma make your uh, parts marked you know what i mean you want to you want to nail yeah. everything right it's just no yeah, time yeah, for yeah. uh in my mind anyway it's not really about having a really good time it was about like nailing it for the singers so that they sounded great because it's a big deal for their career and uh, uh it's really the we did all we did uh, saturday night live we did all these shows and always my mindset was more like to nail the the tune so that the singer looks good and, and back them up and give them kind of a thing. They're looking around the stage. You want to give them that warm, fuzzy feeling because they're under a lot of pressure, you know? So it's sort of like, um, yeah, you're backing that person up and uh, making sure that you nail all the parts. And it's not really about, like for me, it's not about me. It's about the song and, and, and just getting everything right. And like, for example, once when we played with Sarah at the Grammys the second time, she had a another singer joiner on stage and uh, Alison Krauss and so she played violin and so she wanted um, 
the guitar really quiet in rehearsal because she's like a bluegrass person, right? And I play like a Fender yeah, yeah. Fender amp, and I used like actual real feedback and stuff during the show. Mm -hmm. That's how I would get the sound I wanted was um, to push an amp, right? So I have yeah, a baffle yeah. around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, when she came in, I just turned it down. It's like whatever, it doesn't matter. When we do the show, she'll be <laughs> sixty feet away from me. So I'll just turn it back where it was, and she'll never know, and it won't be loud. To someone that's 60 feet away from you in a gigantic, the Staples Center, right? A little Fender Deluxe, it's not that loud. It just seems loud when you're yeah. standing right in front of it in a rehearsal room, right? But that's how, like, um, if we're talking about guitars, too, um, that's how I would get the tone that I wanted, which was to be just right on the edge of feedback. If I pushed it all, the volume up, and, like, I hold a chord or something... Usually, and if I turned the guitar or something, like a note would pick up and start to feed back a bit. And by that, I mean just sort of keep ringing. Do you know what I mean? That that fine yeah. line of mm -hmm. feedback. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I like to live because um, I could get cool things to happen. And you know, click, click on a wah pedal and, and sort of cycle through it and you know, certain notes would pop out. And, and, and oh, you know, yeah, the person yeah, singing yeah. And yeah. put a little delay on there to grab it. You know, <laughs> it would pull yeah. that little feedbacky note out, and that was a good thing to do with somebody uh, when you're backing somebody up because you know you're not supposed to do noodle and do solos where they're singing. But I was trying to make the most out of like say an A minor chord, you know, bling, you know, like how can I make it sound cooler, you know? And that's those are the sort of things I would do. So yeah, my headset playing or my mindset playing with a artist in a bigger stage is just to nail all the parts. And uh, in a smaller venue, uh, it can be um, just more fun, and you're playing with other people and playing off them. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because there's a lot yeah. more pressure in a but much you bigger. You cut all that first part that. out and just put that last part I said because your question <laughs> was. <laughs> so yeah, smaller venues can be more fun, really. Yeah, I, I mean, because I guess a smaller venue is. What would you say? How, the amount of people would be a smaller venue? Oh, 20? Like, I mean. Uh, I play okay. really small. Oh, okay. I play like just like <laughs> restaurants, and uh, I play a lot of different size venues and a lot of different types of venue now. Like um, when I went out on this sort of a solo career, I just started touring all over the place and finding different house concerts too. Do you guys know about those? Yeah, you've heard of that. You know where somebody just yeah. has you in their like yeah, yeah. living room playing. Uh, I'll do the yeah. shows, uh, and then uh, small theaters pubs you know and uh and then mm. then festivals because i'm trying to do yeah. whole tours so i'll be out on the road somewhere like pretty far from where i live so i'm s staying out there at various places so i want to have as many gigs as i can so i can make as much money as i can even so 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 i'm playing a big festival and i'm you know at the best i'm playing to five thousand people and then a couple of days later, I'm playing to 20 people, you know, and uh, it's all part of the economy of touring, pre-COVID touring for me. Who knows yeah, what's yeah. coming next? I, yeah. Yeah. I sure don't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> me and Josh's version of um, big venue is... Probably about 50-odd people. <laughs> school <laughs> because, concerts, that would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a lot of school. People. I'm with you. I think that's a lot of people, you know. <laughs> I haven't been, uh, well, I don't get jaded. It's 6,000, but. You know, it's, uh, you definitely have to go into a different headspace, like, when you're playing for that many people. It's sort of like, uh, do you, it's a nerves thing, right? So, for me, I just kind of calm myself down. Mm -hmm. I just go out there and, uh, 
I really liked it. I like pressure, I guess, in that sort of situation. You know? I feel like the pressure, like the adrenaline of being there, kind of, because obviously adrenaline increases your muscle capability. So it kind of, you can, if you were to play a solo, you know, you can play it with a lot more aggression and speed with the adrenaline, which is kind of the way why, you know, pressure is is good in some ways if you can use it to your advantage, obviously. But, um, yeah, I guess smaller venues. Because in smaller venues, there are... It's a lot... Obviously, it's a lot more closed in. And for a... I wouldn't say a pub, really, because you're kind of like background music. But if you're in a, like a little show, like a Christmas concert or whatever, like we do in school, you know, 50-odd uh, people, you know, they're, they're really... They're paying close attention to you. And it's kind of different versus... Because you probably know all those people, so if you mess up, it's kind of a massive deal. But <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the progress of uh, getting uh, good at your uh, playing music—you're you're going to have those experiences where you're like, "Ah, oh, I could have done that better," or whatever, you know. And you you just keep doing it, and, and eventually you you even out, and, and that yeah. doesn't happen as yeah, much yeah. anymore. Um, when I play at smaller venues, I, I'm definitely trying to make sure they're listening. Like, you know, like I may play yeah. to, that's really like not very many, but uh, to say 20, but I, I don't mean like I'm in the corner and everybody's ignoring me. I mean, like they're, they're, they're listening and checking it out. It's just a smaller venue and maybe a little small town. The other thing I didn't mention is some of the gigs I'll play are just geographically close together. Because like I'm on tour, yeah. I, I bring my own PA, set up the PA, set everything up, do my own sound on stage. Except for when I'm doing a festival, then I use their enormous PA they have, and I don't have to do any of those things. But I uh, fill out the calendar with the, these gigs. So the closer together they are, uh, the happier I am, because it's less driving, right? And, yeah. And maybe, yeah. Yeah, and maybe I'll stay at somebody's place that I know, right? And uh, so I'll try to book like a lot of shows that are close to where they live, and then I save money on hotels, and uh, like some of them are my friends. So like one place I, I stay is in Vermont, which is a long way from where I live, 3,000 miles. It's way down in the US. Mm -hmm. And my buddy who's a bass player has a house down there and I stay with him and I try to play in the Northeast US and I'll be staying at his place sometimes two, three weeks. And it's a lot of fun, you know, it's like we're in a band together <laughs> or on the road, even though He's doing his gigs and I'm doing mine. When we come back from that <laughs> night, we're both up still, yeah. right? So it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't really understand the touring process, if you know what I mean. I, I, I don't know why, because it's just, it's, a, it's obviously a massive thing for both me and Josh, and then you're talking about it so casually. <laughs> because tour, touring around, like, where you would, just said like around was it the west side of the u.s that you were just thought about i was talking about the northeast part corner of the u.s it's called oh, vermont yeah. new york that area but it doesn't matter where yeah i mean in new in so england right is uh, smaller but i mean i'm sure there's lots of pubs all over i know there is so i guess you could uh, theoretically tour that way there if you um if you had a show together that people wanted to hear do you know what I mean? In in those pubs, not so much. You know, here's my interesting originals that I've made up that are kind of weird and quirky. I hope you like them. More like, you know, your music's kind of gonna go over with those crowds, and then you start to yeah. play 
like say you pick covers that kind of work for that and do your own originals as well and well that's what we do I do around here anyway like so uh, I'm not sure what it's like to tour I have played a, actually Albert Hall in London England. yeah yeah, that was, oh, yeah. yeah. It was amazing yeah it's really, really amazing but I you know I don't know touring in England really that well I think that's 1400 people from off the top of my head isn't it something like around that Royal Albert yeah yeah Mm-hmm. They make you wear hard hats around the stage till you cross a certain taped line. You know what a hard hat is? You know, like the the worker, like the plastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought that was the only stage I've ever been on where somebody had me wearing a hard hat. <laughs> Why is that? Why do they make you wear them? It's like a union rule. Like once you cross a line of the stage, you can take it off, but until you do, you have to keep it on. So if the lights. Say about something falls from the ceiling. I guess you 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 have a hard hat on. That's <laughs> well then, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well then. Go I on, hope Josh, nothing falls on your head there. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think if like a several uh, tens of kilogram um, light falls on your head, I don't think a hard hat is gonna you know (laughs) save you much (laughs) (laughs) either way you're going to be in pain so but i guess hard hat makes it better we get on with the second question (laughs) yeah go on so how aware are you of the crowd for example i don't know royal albert hall possibly yeah right Okay, well, how aware am I of the crowd? In a small venue where I'm playing and I'm, uh, the, uh, and I'm the singer, so I'm fronting it, you know, talking between songs, very aware of them. Uh, yeah. When I'm being a sideman for somebody else, I'm way more aware of the music and just trying to yeah. make the music amazing. And then uh, there's obviously, there's a crowd there. and uh, But I'm aware of the crowd there, but less so. And it's actually easier for me to just play the guitar if I'm not singing. And uh, like in uh, that example with Sarah McLaughlin singing, um, I'm just really thinking about the music and, you know, looking, uh, like performing for the crowd, like moving around and looking like, you know, this is fun. I don't want to be just standing there in in the dark, you know, like being really dull. I try to make it a... Trying to hide behind a guitar or something. Like yeah, that. I try to be entertaining and show, like, with the physical movements of the body, a little bit yeah, of yeah. The, uh, reflecting the music at the time. You know what I mean? If you feel the move yeah, your stage when the song pre- gets exciting, you kind of move somewhere. You know, like the stage presence really matters. The, it? Yeah, like, exactly. The show that you put on. Yeah, different kinds of. Uh, if you're a sideman, it's a different uh, thing than. Uh, so I, I probably move less when I'm singing and playing guitar and playing those backing tracks because it's actually pretty hard to nail those uh, tunes like i said when you're playing to a track you can never get out of sync with it there's nobody else on stage so if anything goes wrong you can't even look at anybody and go whoops mm-hmm. or something right <laughs> so that's a uh, yeah very different things yeah mm. oh that's interesting i'm glad you got you got you obviously because the venues are different yeah, you, you have to act differently. You know, you can't act like if you're at the Grammys and stuff. You can't be like, you know, going around the entire stage doing a massive solo versus in a smaller venue. Like you've just mm-hmm. got to, I guess, tone it down and focus more on the music because it matters probably a lot more at the Grammys than in a pub. If you know what I mean. 
Yeah, I mean, in that case, there's a, a rehearsed uh, arrangement of the song, so it's uh, not a jam, not really. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's pretty much locked mm -hmm. in, like, a, there's, like, a little solo in that song, and uh, I just played the same, same solo every night, pretty much, you know, uh, like, because it yeah. was a song on the radio, and it didn't feel like a song to jam on, and it's really short, too, the solo in, that, in the song that we played. So it's just sort of like, well, why am I going to jam for third, 10 seconds? Or it's not enough time to get jamming. So I'll just yeah. play what was there, you know, and, and that's, that's what I did in that case. So a very strict arrangement. Yeah. No, no um, jamming. Zero percent jamming. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Go on there, Josh. Uh, so this is kind of a, this is quite a, uh, a geeky question, I should say. Um but how do you get the fuzz tone on building a mystery? <laughs> um, well, uh, building a mystery, originally, uh, I would imagine, uh, on the studio recording, it'd be like a semi-hollow body electric guitar and played through a Fender amp, pushed a bit and breaking up. So that would have been Sarah playing a K when we played it live. I played a bunch of different guitars. I use a Fender Deluxe Reverb and I use like um, oh. an EQ pedal to just kind of push it a bit over the edge of clean so that if you hit it hard, it starts to get dirtier, uh, but in a mm. natural way. And then if you like lean back, hit it lighter, it's cleaner. So you can, with your palm muting and the way you're playing it, you can within even like one strike have some of it pretty clean and some of the notes are dirty and you know, it's like a vintage amp, yeah, yeah. amp tone thing, right? So mm -hmm. that's how I always played it. And uh, that's how I played everything with her. Like, uh, And a lot of people, is I would use like um, a vintage tube amp tone and not a digital tone. No, not, yeah, yeah. Nothing against those units. Uh, they're really handy, and I'd, and I, I'd like them, but that's what I was always doing anyway. Just, it was really came from the Fender Deluxe Reverb, uh, like an older Deluxe Reverb. But people can use even smaller amps, and uh, like I noticed in uh, Toronto, which is a big city in Canada, a lot of the guys are using like these little yeah, tiny yeah. amps. Call them lunch boxes and stuff, you know? <laughs> the smallest know. amps they can get with that tube in them, right? <laughs> and... Uh, because the, they're playing to like maybe really small venues, right? But they want that tone of a tube amp. So there's like a directly, a big line between it, right? There's the solid state stuff and then there's the tubey stuff, right? So. Yeah. 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 I was hard right on the tubey stuff. That's where I was on that. That's where I always lived and that's what I wanted for tone. Mm. Well, I mean, that tone is pretty, it's pretty sweet. So you don't use any any like fuzz pedals at all so it's just an eq and an amp you know, sorry uh so my basic tone is the fender then i have an eq which is kind of does that a bit even though yeah. it's called eq yeah. you, you you push the the db and it kind of makes it yeah. distort right yeah, also, yeah, yeah. also a tube screamer and then uh i had a big muff but i don't remember using it anywhere particularly that anybody would notice I, like but a big muff is like an electro harmonics old school pedal, super fuzz, like fuzz, 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 yeah, yeah, creamy yeah. fuzz. I've used it various times, but uh, tube screamer I use a lot. Um, so I think a lot of people do use that pedal, right? Yeah. 
is everybody's probably, got one somewhere you know it's probably the biggest pedal to be honest i yeah i think the tube screamer is probably the the most well-known pedal to ever exist it makes me think of uh, this point which is a lot of things like a pedal like say you go into a music store and you sit in a, a room and you play some gadget some box some pedal and it sounds fantastic Right, and then you go in your band is playing live to like thirty people, and you kick it on, and something weird happens. It's like too quiet now, or there's some issue, right? And you're always trying to get it where you want it to be. And I found like the tube screamer was very reliable for live. Like it would just do what you wanted to do. It's not like it's so unbelievably incredible sounding. It just is reliable. And then the other thing yeah. that I haven't talked about is when you go from venue to venue to venue. Your, your pedals and your guitar sound can change dramatically. I don't know if you've ever done that. You play in a different place that you haven't played before, and all of a sudden your sound is kind of weird. Like, I don't know if you've yeah. experienced that. A lot of people complain about that, right? Like, oh, it sounded great last night when we played here, but now it's starting off. And so those pedals that we're talking about, Tube Screamers, seem to be consistent. Like, every yeah. single venue you go to, it does what you want it to do. It's not unbelievably amazing. It just does it. Like whereas the other pedal you bought that was from, that's got a weird name and nobody uses it. It sounds great one night and then the next night it disappears when you click it on and you're actually doing your solo quieter than you were doing mm. your rhythm because of some weird thing that it does. You know, so they make these pedals sometimes in isolation and and somehow or the other with some of these pedals like the Tube Screamer and they just work sonically more consistently everywhere yeah i guess so tube screamer is very uh reliable and consistent <laughs> if you want a good drive tone that will yeah i guess um, not, not the... that it's so amazing or some other pedal can't capture a cooler tone wait till you do that cool tone in at joe's pub but then you go down to stan's pub and it didn't sound good at stan's pub what's wrong right like so i don't know how to do it i'm not a uh, digital audio designer. I don't know how it's yeah, yeah. why it's that way, but the tube screamer was consistently always sound good. You know. Yeah. Um, since we're on the uh, topic of gear, I might as well ask my question, Josh. Um, All right. So you're a big uh, user of Gretsch and Gibson um, guitars. So pretty controversial one. Uh, Gretsch or Gibson? Which one do you prefer? Well. Uh, what have I got here? I got a Strat right here. Um, I uh, <laughs> I think they all sound different for different applications, right? So like a Gretsch will give yeah. you more of that. It's a hollow body Gretsch. I hope you're. I think you're talking about one that's got the f holes in it. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. A telly band. I mean, you got a white Falcon as well. Is it? Ooh, I do. I have a. Yeah. Um, so I had endorsement deals with those companies, right? So I have. Oh wow. Gibson, yeah. Les Paul, and I have. A Gretsch White Falcon, a Gretsch um, Country Club. It's, it's like a green White Falcon, but it's called a Country Club. And then I have a Nashville Chet Atkins. Uh, it's a little thinner, but it's still an F-hole guitar. So when you're talking about Gretsches, I off, off, often assume people mean the F-hole one. Not a painted on F-hole, but um, real F-holes, meaning it's hollow and it has those vents on the front of the guitar, right? So that they create a a different tone. You can get there yeah. with the other Gretches, but if you're buying a Gretsch, if you're me anyway, I always want the F-holes, the real F-holes, not painted yeah, ones, yeah. actual ones. So they sound a bit woo, kind of woo, 
like right with the little yeah. bit of distortion, <laughs> which can be hard yeah. to control. But they also have a nice chime, and they also have um, like if you're playing like a just a C major chord and you're just picking out each north note, uh, and you put it out of phase, it's got just really cool sound, right? Like it's got its own yeah. kind of uh, voice to it, and. Um, Les Paul is good too, though. It's a little tighter, a lot tighter. Better. I'm maybe, a Les Paul uh, person. I am traditionally better for hard rock, or or something like that, right? You get that yeah. tighter uh, chunk and uh, tighter picking. And if you're gonna do fast mm -hmm. runs and stuff, yeah, like if you're doing fast runs, choke with distortion, with a lot of muting, palm muting, you'd want a Les Paul uh, over a Gretsch. Mm -hmm. Gretsch is yeah, kind of yeah. Gretsch is trying to sound. Um, like wider yeah there it is <laughs> there you go nice one yeah it's a um it's an epiphone it's not a gibson but it's still very yeah they are they're very good for the price yeah it's unbelievable yeah, I'm, I'm more of a strat guy <laughs> isn't that haven't you got one with a schecter neck or a headstock or something haven't you it's the oh, oh. i've had this guitar forever and uh oh wow i just like that it that does look cool i just like it that's all it's not, it's not even a <laughs> It's not even in anything. It's, it's got a Schecter neck and a body I bought from somewhere. And uh, I just put a set of pickups in it, and I'm not as big a gear geek as I'm supposed to be because I forget. What I do is I ask the super nerds, what's the best pickup that doesn't give you any buzz? Because that's why I was changing yeah. it. I've had so many pickups in this guitar, and I knew that there's some new things that they're making. And I could get back to you on that, but anyway, I... Uh, I actually haven't tried it out live, but it sounds pretty good to me. And uh, yeah, I just. Uh, when did you get it? Pardon? When did you get it? What, the pickups? The, uh, no, the strat. Oh no, do you mean the pickups that you haven't that you're on about? Um... The guitar I got before you were born. <laughs> oh. <laughs> For real. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> it's an old guitar. I have this vintage guitar. Just, I wouldn't even consider it a vintage guitar because it's just all parts, you know. Yeah, Hot, hearts, Costa. Yeah, it's just yeah, well said. <laughs> yeah, it has a well, very um, this guitar has a very narrow neck, like uh, mm. you can just wrap your hand around it. So yeah. and it's very thin. It's mm. just a lot of fun to play. You know when a guitar feels nice under your fingers. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's this guitar. This is I love to like <laughs> play little leads. I'm practicing these days and running with scales and working on some songs and. I seem to be playing this guitar the most. But like when you're recording yeah. guitar, it's really good to have like a bunch of different ones, like your Strat, like your Les Paul. Yeah, I've got a POS and a Gretsch back there <laughs> as well, so. What's that? I've got, I've, got, I've got a POS and a Gretsch back there as well, so I've got like a, a wide range of stuff I can use. You can, they all have a different uh, tonal face, like a pick, like yeah, an yeah. image they create. So sometimes one's good for something. And, you know, the funny thing about Les Pauls is we think of them traditionally with rock, but they do have a nice clean sound. Yeah. And like I found in recording a lot of times myself using a Les Paul for something that probably people would think about using a Strat, but it just seemed to work. Yeah. And Les Pauls also work really well for jazz, believe it or not. <laughs> They've got a really nice jazz tone. Um, I think it's Wes Montgomery that uses one. He, I think he uses a Les Paul. I'm not too sure. But I, I yeah. met Les Paul. I saw him Have you? play. I saw him play and I met him. Yeah. Was he on a Les Paul? Pardon me? Was he on a Les Paul? He was. He was on some sort of weird one that he made. 
And when I met him, I felt pretty good because he asked me where I was playing. He was playing at the Iridium Room in New York, and I was playing Madison Square Gardens. So he asked me where I was uh-huh. playing. I'm, oh, just Madison Square Gardens. A little. <laughs> I'm from Canada, so Madison Square Gardens is like this, uh, like it's like the Royal Albert Hall or something, you know, like the yeah. Albert yeah. Hall. It's like the biggest venue. Like you can't imagine you'll ever end up playing there. And I was happened to be playing there when I was seeing mm-hmm. when I met him. So yeah, that guy invented a multi-track recording as well. So pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's maybe yeah. almost 80 years old, and you still sounded good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I might as well ask my next question. Uh, Go for it, yeah. Yeah, so what do you think about the amount of technology in the mu- music industry at the moment, and like, what are your opinions on it? So digital amp modeling and stuff like that. I think it's great. I think you have to kind of go with what things are. I think that the internet obviously came in in the early 2000s and changed the picture so younger musicians like yourself you you need to um you know look at what's really there and like where is there possible income streams for you and be innovative right and think how can i wrestle a few bucks out of this you know like so i can buy my next guitar or whatever it is you want to do so um i would like to plug into um like a computer and not use an amp on a live show. I would like to do that. I haven't seen it yet. Something like a Kempo or something, maybe. You know more than me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah. A Kempo. Stop hauling the amp and just plug into a computer and have um, yeah. like a switcher, right? That would switch. I noticed mm. that I, um, I always like the Renaissance compressor. As dull as that sounds, mm. the Renaissance Waves uh, plug-in. Uh, called a Renaissance compressor. Yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you really squish it, it sounds awesome on clean guitar. It makes all the notes pop, and uh, yeah. I w- I can't get that sound through an amp like with pedals, even a compressor. I can't get the same sound. So that's a good example. Like there's stuff available through um, amp modeling and uh, you know plugins on a computer that will take you further than the like more analog setups. You know, like, so there's mm. a lot of potential there for sure. And uh, it's got to be the way it's going to go. People will just show up at yeah. a gig with, like, a, a phone. And they'll have multiple, yeah, yeah, multiple yeah. apps running and multiple, like, cables plugged into their phone. And everything will just be... I mean, I mean I've got something called Amplitude on my iPad. And it's it's basically a little... It's an, it's an app, basically. And there's a little interface called iRig. And basically, you plug that into the headphone jack. You plug your guitar cable into the iRig and you've got like an amp on your iPad. <laughs> They've had that for a while, the iRig. How did you like the sound of it? Pun? Pun? How do you like the sound of the iRig? It's pretty good actually. I like it. It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, feel, I feel like digital is going to be it's just so it's just a lot easier to be honest. It's just much easier like Especially in your bedroom, like me or Josh are, like it's just a lot easier to um, to go digital because number one is cheaper um, than having you know like t- several grand amps and stuff to get a tone, um, and also you could, there's just more available. So like for only I guess so, so something called the Line Six HX effects, which is about four hundred pounds. 
Um, I'm not sure how much it is in Canadian like a dollars. helix type thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a Line 6 helix, and it's got a um, a ton of pedals built into it, and you have so many available tones for you, um, all for that small price, versus getting like two grand for a pedal board, which of good pedals, you know what I mean? So it's just, it provides a lot of availability for um, new musicians and just bedroom musicians as well because they don't have to turn up the volume so high <laughs> but I mean, yeah yeah stuff yeah. like that lug all that stuff um, around either right like say you want to go to yeah your exactly house, yeah if you could just have it on your computer with like one uh like some way to get it into your computer right uh like you were talking about the air uh, the irig or i have a duet here anyway like anything to plug it into the computer just you know a guitar cable to get the guitar yeah, yeah. in there then all you have to do is bring a laptop. I, I think that's a good that's a good way to go. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh then. I think that's the last I mean, question we have now. We have Yeah, I'll just um so you know, all these things are great, but like it's you can get them to sound amazing sometimes. But I don't I don't think you can get it to sound as great as a you know, a real amp or a real tube amp or something like that. <laughs> I know, I, I, it's it's kinda sad because uh but the it, like the uh, opportunities to set up a tube amp and be loud enough to have it really yeah, yeah. really do what it needs are like shrinking down. So if your your best bet is to go the digital way, probably and 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 have a really solid sound that way and make that one compromise. And then if you if you're in a project that's uh, playing really large venues and the budget works and everything, then you can then you can go the other way. It's not that yeah, hard. Yeah. To, it's not that hard to switch over. You just Everybody knows what the good amps are, so you just go buy one. <laughs> if you're making enough money to be playing a big enough venue where that that would work, you, you'll be able to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, go ask the last question then, Josh. Uh, I think that, that was it, actually, was it? Is that it? Yeah, that was it. <laughs> oh, well, uh, dear. <laughs> well, this is about 38 minutes long, so... That's a lot better than well. We have like a minute left, so um, yeah. <laughs> so thank you everyone for uh, watching or listening to the Optimized Podcast. Um, that's all about we have time for today. Thank you, Sean, for being so generous with your time. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, nice talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, I've certainly enjoyed it, and I know Josh has. <laughs> and yeah, most importantly. The people listening, because they are the ones that... And the people watching. ...the matter. And watching, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, for, <laughs> forgot we're on many different platforms now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to see more of Sean Ashby, you can follow him. Um, do you have any type of social media people can follow? Or Spotify? or? I have, uh, yeah, I have Instagram, Sean Ashby Music. And yeah. I have SeanAshby.com, a website. I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best site is my actual Facebook site. I'm on Twitter. I um I'm on Spotify. Yeah, I'm on all those things. The music is, is on there. I um yeah, I think the and I'm I'm even on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. I have a lot of videos I made and stuff yeah. as well. Well, we'll link all of that down in the description. Um well, <laughs> running low on time a lot <laughs> yeah if you've enjoyed today's podcast and please subscribe like and comment and share with everyone and your friends and stuff um thank you thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one uh thank you uh sean for coming on 